everyone. Welcome to New Point Community Church. Thanks for joining our podcast today. We pray that this series and this message inspires you to grow your faith and builds your relationship with Jesus. Enjoy today's message. Well, good morning at New Point. I want to welcome all of you joining us on all six of our campuses. Those of you joining us online, uh, it's a privilege to be with you today. The writing is on the wall. You heard that phrase before? Of course we have. That phrase that we still use today, the writing's on the wall, like, hey, you really should have seen this coming, goes back all the way to Daniel chapter 5, 539 BC, over 2,600 years ago. This phrase that we still use today originated with King Belshazzar in Daniel chapter 5. It is, it is a... A, a saying that reminds us of a reality check that we so often need. When my son was really young, uh, one of the things that, that we used to do every now and then is we would go to our park that was right beside our house and we would, uh, we would hit some golf balls. He had a little pitching wedge and I'd, I'd grab some balls and he'd go to the park and, and we'd just hit golf balls for as long as he wanted to hit golf balls. Well, one day when we were at home together, my son's name is Dawson. He said, hey, dad, can we go play some real golf? I said, sure, we can go play some golf. So I went and grabbed his golf club, got some balls, came back inside and said, all right, bud, you ready to go down to the park to hit some balls? He said, dad, that's, that's not real golf. That's fake golf. I said, fake golf? Like, do you want to actually go to a golf course and, and play on a real golf course? He's like, that's fake golf too. I said, buddy, if that's fake golf, then what is real golf? He said, dad, real golf is on the Nintendo Wii. Maybe not the sharpest tool in the shed, but he's a little confused with what was real or what was fake. A lot of times in life, we also need a little bit of a reality check because it's easy for us too to get confused, to get lost between the real and the fake, or maybe better said, between the eternal and the temporary. And that's really where this passage, Daniel chapter five, takes us today is just a little bit of, hey, you should really see this coming. Don't, don't forget about this larger story in your life that is happening that's so often for us. It's easy for us to take our eyes off of. In Daniel chapter five, as you just heard from that video we watched, uh, telling the story of King Belshazzar and the writing on the wall, that all was taking place when Daniel was about 70 or 80 years old. If you remember back to Daniel chapter one and Daniel chapter two, a couple weeks ago, Daniel was just a teenager when we really started to learn about his life when he was enslaved as a, as a teenager in the nation of Israel and brought in captivity to the land of Babylon. In the first few chapters of Daniel, he's really young. But by the time we get to Daniel chapter five, he's now an older man, 70 or 80 years old. And in fact, by this time, because Babylonia had now gone through several kings, they're into about their fourth king, Daniel had actually been forgotten. Until this incident happens where this hand appears in this big feast that the new king, King Belshazzar, is happening. And the reason this hand appears is because King Belshazzar did something that was, wasn't the smartest move. He took these goblets of silver and gold, these goblets that were specifically taken from the temple in Jerusalem. 
And it was common in those days that when one nation defeated another nation, they would raid their temple because in the temple were often the most valuable of possessions. So they would raid the temple, they would take all those possessions and take them back to their own temple. They put them in their own temple. In some ways, it was a little bit of a sign of respect to that culture that they had just overcome and defeated. Uh, But in other ways, it was a little bit of a slide. It was a reminder that because your valuables from your temple are in our God's temple, just a reminder, our God is better than your God. Well, King Belshazzar took it another step further. He grabbed those goblets taken from the temple in Jerusalem and brought them to be used as just normal goblets, normal cups that wine was served in. And that act was a very strategic power move. It was a power move to the God of Israel saying, who's greater now? Well, God was happy to take that challenge. (laughs) And so in verse five, it said, immediately a hand appeared and this writing on the wall occurred to which no one in his kingdom, in his court could interpret its writing. So who'd they call again? Well, this old guy who had long been forgotten about had been put off to retirement. They, the queen remembers him from days of old and tales of old. So they call Daniel back to the court, which by the way, is such a great reminder for us that no matter the age we become, God doesn't forget us and God's not done with us. As long as we have breath in our lungs, God is not done with us. In fact, in Daniel's life, Most of what we read about Daniel happened after he turned 70. So Daniel comes in, he interprets this, he interprets this, and and this is the interpretation. You you saw it in the video, but let's look at it again. In Daniel chapter five, the interpretation says, many, God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Tekel, you have been weighed on the scales and found wanting and Paris. Your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Basically, King Belshazzar, your days are numbered and your life is weighed. Those same words that were spoken to King Belshazzar, they were spoken to King Belshazzar really as words of condemnation. They were words that judged him and judged the quality of his life and the end of his life. But those words that were condemnation to him, I actually believe for us are not words to condemn or not words to judge, but they are words to caution, to remind us as well that our days are numbered and that our life will be weighed. Aren't you glad you came to church today <laughs> to be encouraged? I have a, uh, it, it's a huge privilege for me to uh, throughout the course of my, my years in ministry to be a part of, of funerals, especially as we celebrate men and women of great faith. But it's always an uh, interesting thing to be a part of because on the one hand, you're, um, you're grieving and it, you're so sad for the family who's going through this incredible loss. But it's in those moments and not not just death, not, not when we, that just knocks on a door of, of our life or of someone we love, but in those, in those moments where we have scares with the cancer diagnosis, 
It's those moments that are really clarifying. And it's actually those moments that I think we need. It's those reality checks that we need on a regular basis of our lives because for so many of us, this life we live, there's like this gravitational pull on our lives that that pulls us back to the cares and the concerns of this world. And we so often lose sight of this larger story happening in our life and in our world. And we all know it's true. We all know, right? We all know that our days are numbered, but for whatever reason, we'd rather not think about it or give it much time. And I think for us to live our best life, it's one of the things we should actually think about most and not in a morbid way, but in a way that gives us purpose and direction in our lives. In fact, this, this theme that, that our days are numbered and our life will be weighed, it's not just this passage. It talks about that all through scripture, right? In fact, there's a couple of great examples of that in these two realities we embrace, that our days are numbered. In Psalms, it, it says this. In fact, this is a prayer. It says, show me, Lord, my life's end, the number of my days, and let me know how fleeting my life is. This is a, this is a powerful prayer to pray. And I think it's one we should pray on a regular basis because when we forget how fleeting life is, is when our life most often gets on track. Your, 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 your life will be weighed. This, this second reality of your life, Proverbs says this. In Proverbs 16.2, it says, all the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes. What that's saying is like, hey, we, we think we're doing our best to live our life according to our ways, but... At the end of the day, at the end of our life, it will be the Lord who weighs the spirit. Your days are numbered and your life will be weighed. As I think about these two realities, it makes me ask a question of myself. And I think it's it's the right question for us today as well. And here's the question it begs me to ask myself. Am I living the life that I want? Are you right now living the life that you want. One of the things that most often gets in the way of this, are you living the life you want, is actually the life that you're living right now. Our own life, the busyness, the distracted, that often are the very things that gets us off track from living the life I want. In fact, there are two conditions, I believe, that, that kind of keep us from living the life that we want. And the first one is this, is, is, is distraction. Like we are just really good at being distracted or distracting ourselves. I mean, just a couple of quick examples. And you've probably heard some examples like this before, but do you know how many hours on average the American adult spends on social media a year? You know how many hours that is? It is, it is 705 hours a year the average American adult spends on social media. Let me put that to you in a little bit different terms. If you broke up that 705 hours into eight hour workdays, eight hour workdays, five days a week, that totals up to over four months of work that we spend on social media every single year. What about TV? This is one, this is one that like I'm, Guilty of this one. But how many average hours on TV for the average American adult every single year? 
2,737 hours we spend on TV. That's over seven hours every single day. Here's another one. I found, I, this is a new one to me that I just came across. For those of you uh, young adults, you guys specifically, there was a recent study that just came out. It was done by a guy named Philip Zimbardo. He wrote this book in, in a research of his book called The Demise of Guys. Here's what he's found. That by the age of 21 today, in today's world, by the age of 21, the average guy spends over 10,000 hours on video games by the time you're 20, 21 years old. Have you guys heard the 10,000 uh, hour rule before? There's this thought out there that if you spend 10,000 hours on anything, it doesn't really matter what it is, at the end of that 10,000 hours, you'll be an expert. If you're a musician, you'll be an expert musician. If you're an athlete, you'll be really advanced in that sport you, you spent 10,000 on. And 10,000 hours... You could learn a new language. You could memorize the New Testament. Uh, you could hike the Appalachian Trail twice, or you could be Call of Duty. I mean, it's really, it's really, it's really your choice. But those are just just examples of how good we are at distracting ourselves. And I think the reason that we're drawn to distract ourselves is again because we don't want to face the reality that our days are numbered. But that's not the only thing that keeps us from living in these realities. Here, here's the second one. The second one is deception. My family has done a lot of road trips and uh, a lot of time on really long road trips. So a lot of times on these road trips, and, and maybe you can relate to this, we uh, will often stop in, in a hotel and, and these hotels that we stop in are just like, really quick stops. We may spend, we've spent as little as three hours in a, one of these hotels before because we just needed a place to, to lay our heads long enough to rest so we can get back on the road to our eventual destination. Uh, we stayed in some really uh, uh, <laughs> shady places. Like one of the great qualities of my wife, she's really frugal, but when you're uh, booking a hotel last minute, um, you end up in some scary places. In fact, we were in this one hotel in Oregon I don't watch any of these shows, but I wouldn't be surprised if this hotel that we were staying in was like in one of those ghost story shows. <laughs> like, it just had the, the feel. I, I think all night I was praying like, greater is he that is within me than he's in the world. <laughs> greater is he who's in me. Like, it was a scary place. But could you imagine one of these hotels that you're just basically staying in to lay your head down so you can get on the road the next day? Could you imagine if you laid down in one of those beds as gross as the thought of that is sometimes, you're like, this bed is really uncomfortable. You know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go down to the local furniture store and I'm gonna buy brand new beds so that we get a really good four hours of sleep. And then when you lay down in that brand new bed, oh, it's comfortable, it's way better. And even better yet, more important, you got new, new sheets and new covers. That's probably the more important part of that is you, you click on the TV. I like to click on the TV as I'm going to sleep, just kind of helps relax my mind so I can fall asleep. Like this TV on this wall in this hotel room, it's like a 35 inch TV. It's really old. It's not a great picture. I may as well go back down to the furniture store, buy a brand new 75 inch TV, put it up on the wall so that it helps me to fall asleep in like 10 minutes. It'll be a way better experience. And this fridge, this like really small miniature fridge, like we have a big cooler of food that we need to keep refrigerated for the night. So I may as well buy a brand new refrigerator while I'm at this furniture store. Like, would any of you do that? It's, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Why? Because nobody would spend that amount of money 
and get, put that much thought or energy into such a temporary situation, especially such a temporary situation that is on, on your way to a much better place. The deception piece for us is this. This is the greatest deception I think we fall victim to is we put so much value in the temporary over the eternal. We put so much stock in what happens in this life that we don't live thinking enough about the next life. And it's, it, it's not, we're, we're, we're deceived not because we're bad people. We're deceived not because we love God. We love God a lot. Yet it's just this gravitational pull that brings us back to the things and the ways of this earth that we have to continually fight about. And that's why we need reality checks like this. Your days are numbered and your life will be weighed. And of those two, the one for me that's really the most haunting is your life will be weighed. And it's not gonna be weighed according to the scale that I get to determine. I don't get to be the judge of my own life someday. And that's a very countercultural message. The message we hear today from our culture is you get to be the sole judge of your life and no one else can speak into that. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, it says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. I don't know if you've thought about this. I actually, I actually think about this quite a bit. Someday, when your number is called, when the last number of your days is lived, we're all gonna stand face to face before God. I don't, I don't know what that conversation is gonna look like. But I think about it. And I think about how I'm living my life today, how that in some way is gonna shape that conversation, how that conversation's gonna go. And I, I, again, I don't know how it's all gonna work together, but I also believe this to be true. And maybe for some of you joining us today, Maybe that's not a conversation you've given much thought to yet. I think the thing more than anything I'd like to tell you today is think about it. Think about that conversation. I can't think of an, a, a more important conversation to think about than the one that we're gonna get to have with God someday. And, and there will be some type of an account of our lives that we're gonna have to give to God. But here's also what I believe to be true. And here's the great news of the gospel. When we stand face to face before God, we are not gonna be standing there alone. Right beside us is gonna be Jesus. And I don't know how it will weigh, but in this metaphor of a scale that we would stand on to make sure we measure up, it's not gonna be us who has to step on the scale for our own lives. Jesus has already done that for us. We're worthy not because of anything we can do, but because he is worthy because of his death and resurrection and the perfect life he lived. And for some of you joining us today, if you haven't received that truth, 
If you don't have the confidence that someday when your days are over, you can stand before God in confidence, not because of your life, but because you placed your life in the hands of Jesus, then we'd like to talk to you. There's nothing more important you could do today than to have that conversation. Find us after service at the info desk at your campus. Mark it on your next step cards that are in the chair backs in front of you. That, that you'd like to talk more about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why we exist as a church. And, and that's a conversation we can help you prepare for. But it's also a conversation that directs the future of our life. And the more we think about that conversation, I actually believe the better we will live this life in this lifetime. I love this quote by C.S. Lewis. He says, if you read history, you will find that the Christians who did the most for the present world, those who have done the greatest things for this world were precisely those who thought most of the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this. So that's our reality check for today. In the busyness, in the distractions, in the many ways we can be deceived in this life. May we not forget like this larger story that we're a part of. May we not forget that some days our days are numbered and our life will be weighed. And so it's important for us. I think the best thing we can do on a regular basis, because there will be things we bump up against that, that unfortunately and in painful ways remind us of this reality. But in the other times when life's just kind of cruising along, one of the most important things we can do, one of the most important practices we can exercise is just to, just to evaluate your life regularly. You gotta evaluate your life regularly. You gotta ask these questions like, what is, am I living the life I want? In fact, that's not even the best question. Am I living the life I want? The better question is, am I living the life God wants? That's the question to ask when we evaluate our life regularly. And you know what? You're asking like, well, when should I do that? When can I do that? You know, God actually built in a day every single week for you to ask that question. It's today. It's the Sabbath day. It's a day for us to gather together, It's a day for us to try to lessen the gravitational pull of the world, just getting us concerned about the things that we're in day in and day out and to remember this larger story that we're a part of, the future direction of our lives, the ongoing direction of our lives. But it's also a day, the Sabbath is to help us evaluate how are we doing? My father-in-law, two years ago, unexpectedly passed away. In fact, it was so unexpected. He was completely healthy. My wife was actually on a mission trip in Austria at the time. He lived his life in devotion to God his whole life. In fact, his very last weekend, he died on a Sunday night. He had a heart aneurysm. So he was, he was gone before he even knew anything was wrong. But his last weekend, on Friday, after he retired, he was a school administrator for years, doing great things in public education, serving families. After retirement, he continued to serve his church. He served his church his whole life. 
And one of the ways he served his church was he got involved with prison ministry. He would go visit inmates in jail, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with them. On Friday of the, the weekend he died, he got to baptize five inmates in prison. On Friday night, him and his wife went out to dinner with some friends. They went to a marriage seminar together. On Saturday, because my wife was gone, my father-in-law and, and mother-in-law were able to bring my kids to church. So they had a, they had a great time hanging out all Saturday afternoon while, while I was working. And uh, on the way to church, my kids helped him set up his Bluetooth phone in his car. And so uh, that was a, a, a really fun experience for them. But as they were walking into church, my my father-in-law just turned to my three kids and said, hey, I want you to know I love you so much. And I'm so excited about the, the young men and women you're becoming. Uh, that weekend, he also, he's not a, he wasn't ever like a technology guy, but he got on, a, he, he got on Marco Polo, which, which uh, my wife's family uses a lot just to send each other video messages. And, and that week, like leading up to his death, he just sent out a message to all his girls, his daughters, and said, hey, I know I'm not on this thing very much, but he listed each one of them by name and told them how, how and why he was proud of them very specifically. He had no idea his last day was coming on earth. But he had a focus throughout his life that knew it would come someday. So live every day knowing that that day's coming. Because when you do, when that conversation is prominent in your mind, you really do get more in this life too. Father God, I'm so grateful for texts like today that uh, just remind us of this larger story that we're a part of. God, we forgive us. Forgive us for the many times and the many ways we get distracted when we get our eyes too much on things happening around us that we take our eyes off of you. God, may we be followers of you who do the most for this world and for the people in this world. Because we realize what you have done for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to know more about us, please visit our website at newpoint.org. There you'll find past messages, parent resources, times and locations to all of our physical campuses, or you could just download our app at newpoint.org app. There you can find all those same resources just in a mobile version. We want to say thank you again for joining us and we'll see you next time.